Um, but like my hypothesis is that like I think that people are just watching more porn. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That's 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 a great. That's a, maybe that maybe we should end there. Welcome back to another episode of the Academy with John and Aiden. We are fired up to be here today. It's uh, Sunday evening. We're uh, two 25-year-olds using conversation to learn more about the world, politics, culture, uh, social dynamics, ourselves, and we're using uh, the pod, the microphone, uh, the conversation as as our tool to kind of enhance our, our curiosity and understanding so we have two exciting topics today and i figured we could just jump right in uh with the november elections looming and covid19 uh there are multiple concerns about uh administering the elections safely about voter suppression and about uh the most effective way to get people to the polls to ensure the sanctity of our democratic institutions so we're going to talk a little bit about you know what are some of the uh, best ways to ensure that people are voting Um, to foster public participation and uh, ensure that our elections are also free and fair. So um, the first kind of question that I had that I wanted to get into, AG, is um, what you really think kind of the best uh, method of voting is, what you think about mail-in voting um, and the the discussion around that right now. It's funny that there was a huge kind of concern coming from the the right that saying that mail-in voting could be full with fraud um, and that you have to show up to the polls to vote. And I just think this whole this whole dialogue, like being in the internet age and, and talking about, oh, do we vote by in-person or mail, um, seems so funny to me. It's like we're, we do everything else online. Like every other, like we're ordering groceries, we're dealing with like work, banking, like at least the 21st century economy that is. And when we talk about voting, it's like we go back to the most like simplest like longest longest term like methods possible. So I, I just I just think that's just like hilarious. In and well, of can I ask you? Um, uh, can I ask you if you have like any preferred method of voting, like for yourself personally? Like, do you like going to the ballot box, or are you, or you don't really care too much about how it's done as long as you just get your ballot in? As long as I get my ballot in, but I think I mean it's easy. The, the easiest thing is definitely if if it mail in right, but. I think the easiest thing from that that's kind of yet to be is just voting from like your iPhone, you know? I mean, that would be, that would be the the goal. You know, I, I wonder, I always wonder how far away we are from that or if that would, would ever happen just because of some of the uncertainty that people have around, um, you know, cybersecurity. And if you're doing everything online, the potential of having fraudulent, fraudulent election results. So I feel like that's kind of like one of the reasons why people are, you know, maintaining this push to keep uh, hard ballots. Um, so yeah, it's hard. It's hard for me, but you're right. I mean, there seems to be like a, you know, a big a disparity between how we are conducting our business, how we're conducting our communication, basically in every other aspect of life, and then how we're communicating our most Im- important decisions, right? Which is our decisions and who we're going to vote for. Yeah, I mean, that's something that just needs to change because like you're saying 
the the security threat while understandable i mean people are moving millions if not billions of dollars around every single day in in the US right and the the the, the truth is that if our government can't run a, like a secure voting system then we got bigger issues you know yeah that's that's definitely true um so what i mean what do you think about the potential this election cycle for for voter fraud and, and the concerns about mail-in ballots um do you have any do you have anything that you're thinking on that well look i mean i think this is just another thing that is kind of like like mail-in ballots the fact that people are saying can cause um fraud or a concern that is not accurate is just a joke and i think like the idea that mail-in ballots are not only kind of hurting groups that are it's harder to spend the time and go find places to go to a polling station to vote but it's 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 a threat to our, our democracy when you create more barriers to, to to voting and that's really like what what the whole point of this is is to just try to limit the people who can vote um and make and making it harder for people and I mean, fundamentally, the idea should be we need to get everyone in this country to be able to vote and, and have a voice. And I, I think what got us to where we're at now with in four years into a Trump election is by people not showing up and voting in the first place. And so vo- voting is one of the most important things that you can do as a citizen, you know. Definitely. Um, and I actually had a co- really interesting conversation with um, someone I look up to, actually. Um, her name is Elizabeth Epps. Shout out, Elizabeth, if you ever hear this. Um, but she actually runs an organization called the Colorado Freedom Fund. And we were kind of talking yesterday about um, just, you know, what I do for work. And she she kind of posed this idea of automatic voter registration, right? Because if, her, you know, her, her uh, thought was that if, um, you know, we're concerned about fraudulent ballots, um, well, you can't really, you can't really create a fraudulent, fraudulent ballot out of a ballot that never even existed, right? And so I thought that was interesting. Um, we don't need to go into the minutia of you know of all the complications with that policy because because I don't really fully understand it. Um, but I think there are like like definitely certain things that are just no brainers that we should be able to do. Like voting is a national holiday. Yeah, I, th- I think I think there's no questions asked that it, it's. I'm surprised that voting isn't a national holiday already. You know, like that's one of those things that should just be passed instantly totally agree with you there and and the big thing i feel like that keeps is that these the young voters aren't showing up to elections like older voter voters and i i wonder why do you think what's the biggest reasoning for that and how do we change that yeah i that's a that's a really good question um i think understanding the sociology behind that um that'd be really it'd be a really interesting thing to study i think just in general like i'm just gonna go with the simplest explanation it's like young people have things to do, they, you know, have people to see, you know, and like, so I feel like, um, you know, older generations, obviously with age comes a little bit more seriousness um, and maybe thinking in the long term also. So like understanding that your your vote matters, um, maybe that's something that comes with age. But I really think that it's generally just kind of like, you know, the distraction that all young people of every generation have had and that, you know, for a lot of us, um, the policies don't necessarily affect us or we don't perceive their effects so so i I think i think that's kind of why i do think it's going to change this time though yeah that that was kind of my next question is do you think that 
like everything you're seeing on Go Out and Vote and you're seeing a lot on Instagram or Facebook with information about voting and when registration is, et cetera, that that's going to make this generation one of the most kind of up to the, like showing up at the polls more than any other generation in history? Or do you think, how do you think our stats are going to? Yeah, I, I hope so. I mean, in the past, past elections, millennials haven't been fantastic. Obviously we have this Gen, Gen Z who are now becoming voting age. Um, and they've actually, I think, been pretty politically involved, at least online. Um, I, I hope so. Um, I was reading an article that was, was talking about how young voters actually have the most uh, variance in um, how uh, and what percentages they show up to the polls. So I really think I really think it depends pretty heavily on the election because the things I was talking about earlier, all the distractions are always going to be there for every generation. But I think if it's an, an you know, supremely consequential election, or at least young people are convinced that it is, then that's where you'll have high turnout. And I think that's going to be the case in this election. So, John, you just voted, was it today, for one of your, some of your local elections? voted in the primary in Colorado today. So everybody also go vote, vote in your primaries if you haven't. So, so I'm, I'm curious, like, how did you gain information about the candidates? How did you go about that? Because I think for there's not like it feels like for someone who's less involved within politics than you are, a, a good way to understand like who who are the, the nominees, what do they stand for, what are their policies, um, and I kind of have to do my own online digging. With that being said, I'm kind of speaking having not having done the research, so I, I want to hear from you kind of how you got your information and went about making the decisions that you did. So. I get my information from a variety of sources. Uh, in this last primary election, I've spent a lot of time on the ground um, helping to organize some of these protests and participating. And so a lot of the information I, I've actually gotten this time has been word of mouth, you know, actually in person communicating with activists on the ground. Um, but I know that's usually not the case. And in, in you know, elections pass, um, yeah, we look we look for information online, but you're but you're right. I mean, what you're kind of getting at is, I think people really there's there's a real challenge in figuring out who you're voting for sometimes, especially with these local offices and those local offices. Yeah, are often super consequential. Yeah, I mean, I I would just even speak for like myself saying like I don't know who's running in my local primary election, and I mean I don't feel good saying that, um, but and I haven't spent the time to do my research. Um, but part of me wishes it was easier, you know, like I'm sure I'm not the only one my age who hasn't, who isn't aware, you know, I'm sure there's plenty of other people. And I think that's something that I, I wish that you didn't have to be, um, like you're saying on, on the front lines and marching and hearing through word of mouth and conversation to have that information kind of displayed for you. But I think you do have to do some work and I am, do hold myself responsible for not doing more research and not being more aware but I do think we can kind of meet uh, meet in the middle a bit more, you know? Yeah, and, and I'd be really interested to see. I mean, you know you have certain groups that hand out pamphlets to tell you who to vote for. Um, I, I think now more than ever we're realizing, or a lot of young people are realizing, it's not just enough to vote for like a Democrat, for example, right? Like you can't get all the information just from the party because as we've seen in a lot of these cities with these protests and with police brutality, it's that it doesn't really matter sometimes what party the person is a part of, um, you can't always deduce their values that way. Um, so yeah, I mean, I wish there were some like other kind of database or 
something that was nonpartisan that gave you just you know in-depth information on on candidates because and that's the other thing too it's like it's so a lot of the information is so segmented right like to find information on a candidate here you need to go to this government website and so i think that's i think that's there's potential there like for, for some tech company to do something creative but there's a lot of other issues too that could could come out of that so yeah and i think one other thing that that i've been thinking about it is it's so interesting that we've always been so focused on the person leading and do you think it's ever going to change to more the idea or the policy that's kind of more baked on kind of data knowing that kind of uh, humans are i mean we're not perfect species um and are we is there like are people are always going to be at the center of politics or is there going to be a trend more towards policy data-driven kind of decision making that's less about the person that's a really good question, and I don't know. We have different examples around the world today, right? You have some countries that they have like direct votes for certain pieces of legislation more often than we do here in the United States, as like a um, as a republic, right? Where where our whole kind of foundational idea of government is electing people and then having those people vote on your interests, not necessarily voting on your interests directly, like some other democracies who are more direct democracies. Um, but I don't know the best way. I mean, it seems like there are problems, you know, there are problems regardless, right? Like humans are going to make tough decisions. Um, and one way or the other, it's going to be it's humans either at the ballot box or humans in these congressional offices. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I, I think that's probably a good place to leave it, AG, on our discussion on voting. Um, I'm excited for our second segment of Hot Takes. Will the market, you think, go up or down this week, given the recent resurgence in Texas and Florida and Arizona? I, oh man, I don't, I don't really know. I, what I saw, like a little bit of, a little bit of data this week, it looks like we'll start off the week in a downward slump. But you know, I'm actually going to say I think it's going to be up by the end of the week because there's just kind of this persisting disconnect between Wall Street and Main Street, and I don't think people are going to be too scared by this Texas and California stuff. Okay, I'm going bear. I, I think uh, people thought the, the markets were rising, but uh, COVID's here to stay and things aren't opening up quite like we thought they were. All right. Which COVID stock beating is going to be the first to come back? Uh, I'm going with Delta. It's down big time. And I think uh, as soon as tr- travel comes back online, Delta is going to be a winner. Nice. I, I'm going to I'm going to go with I'm going to go with Nike. Actually, I don't know how they've been performing recently, but I know at the outset of COVID they were they were doing horribly. Um, I think that people are going to want to get back outside and back into sports as soon as possible. And Nike's already looking like they're ready to adapt and offering those cool masks and, and face coverings. So I'm going to go with Nike. I like it. Okay, 10 years from now, how will people look back at 2020 in kind of an area of great progress or one of turmoil and kind of defeat? I'm going to say progress. I think... Uh, it's a revolutionary time. We're only, only going to be able to say that definitively after everything is over. But I think a critical mass of people have recognized human rights and economic issues is, is really pressing. So I'm going to go progress. Yeah, I think the what we're going to get out of this the long term is going to show that America kind of fought for the soul of its nation. And it's, it's going to have a lot of positive repercussions uh, down the road. So I totally agree. 
who else besides Zuckerberg should run Facebook given the hate that he gets? So I think Zuck is doing as good as you, you can do with the, running Facebook. And I know a lot of people are in disagreement about that, but I think Facebook is such a complicated technology of, that hosts billions of people on the platform that's incredibly hard for one person to manage and i think if anyone can do it it's going to be zuck and it's going to take some time to work through the kinks i actually shockingly i agree with you um i i just don't think that anyone could manage it better and i think that honestly some of his characteristics of you know being aloof or detached or whatever are are actually maybe a good thing in this space because you're not just making reactionary decisions all the time um so you know Ultimately, I think maybe we need to look at some antitrust laws or monopoly laws that that change the way Facebook is regulated. But I don't know. I don't think it's a problem of leadership necessarily. Okay, so the the chop in Seattle, the kind of area that's kind of superseded itself from the United States and developed an independent autonomy zone. Where do you think it's headed? What's what's the outcome here? Wow, it's, I mean, I kind of think that it's going to, I think CHOP is going to exist in perpetuity until the end of the election. Um, another, uh, just for our listeners, you know, another uh, uh, name for this area is the Autonomous Zone of Seattle. Um, so I think it's going to exist in perpetuity. I think only if there are dramatic concessions made by the local government um, and there's a change in our president then maybe things will die down. So my take is that people in Capitol Hill, uh, business owners, uh, real estate owners, people who live in this area where the autonomous zone is, are starting to get very fed up, starting to sue the city. I don't think it's going to last another month, two months. I don't think it's going to make it through the summer. Okay. All right. We'll see. Um, If you don't have a job as a graduating senior, and given the current environment, what would you recommend to those graduating seniors, AG? I would say you should just focus on learning more about the world, gaining new skills, and t- t- like it's such an interesting time in the news and just to dig in deep and not kind of try to ignore everything that's going on. And uh, don't just be thinking so focused on your job, but if you can and you have the opportunity to, make sure you just continue your, your education. Yeah, I, I think if this were like a normal time, what I would say is if you don't, uh, if you know what you like want to do exactly, but your dream job just you haven't landed it yet for whatever reason, I almost I say go back to school and risk the debt. It's a hot take, but and then pray that uh, it it be canceled retroactively somewhere down the line. Um, I feel that I feel that I mean you know what having all the debt forgiven would be a win for a lot of people and for. And for a lot of kind of, I think it would help innovation a lot within our country. Okay, which which country style uh, of government do you think is is best, and, and why? Uh, so I think that the most effective governments um, are the ones that really stress like two principles, right? Liberty and social welfare. And I think the ones that do those the best primarily are, you know, not you know just cliche and give your basic liberal answer but uh, the Nordic countries. And uh, I think you see, you see the, the fruits of that. For sure. Yeah, I, I actually think uh, I'm going to go with um, 
I mean, I, I love America, so I'm going to go with, I, I, I like generally, and maybe not in the, the last 40 years, but generally how our system has, has functioned. I think it needs some tweaks, some more kind of like of the uh, social welfare ideas that you're talking about. But generally, I think it, it, it has um, created a lot of progress and, and good for the world. All right, AG. So do you think that Russia and Vladimir Putin actually offered a bounty on American troops in Afghanistan? Um, and, and if so, do you, do you think Trump, our boy Trump, knew? Um, my best guess is that Putin could be involved with anything. There's a lot of history there with him in Afghanistan. And I, whether Putin was directly involved or was one of his operatives, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that it's, it, it wasn't possible. How about you? Yeah, I, don't, I think that Putin was totally involved. In, in some capacity. I think that the Russians did that, but it does, wouldn't shock me. Um, but I don't think Trump knew, because honestly, I, I don't I don't know how he, he has time to really know anything with the amount of time he spends on Twitter. <laughs> okay, so uh, confidence in legitimate election, this, uh, this election cycle, one to 10. I'm gonna give it a three. And oh, uh, oh. It's, it's, yeah, pretty, pretty low, pretty low. I mean, I'm concerned about ballot box, you know, um, minority and, and poor communities having access uh, to voting. We've seen voting lines in past elections. I think the lines will probably be even longer this time. COVID makes me even more scared. But, you know, the only reason I'll say, I, I think otherwise, you know, if it weren't for the fact that this is such a high profile election, um, where all eyes are going to be on potential fraudulent uh, conduct, um, th- I think that gives us a little bit more room to be confident. Otherwise, I probably would have would have given it a one, just considering who are who are leading certain states and and uh, the current president, Justice Department. Yeah, I'm gonna have to go with the five here. I I, I think that you know what's gonna happen is people are gonna do their best to vote, and I think the energy's there. But in terms of kind of mechanisms like mail-in ballots since they're to be decided i think that's going to kind of influence is a safe bet to kind of keep in the middle for right now all right well that concludes our hot takes um now we're going to move into our third segment of our show today um we're going to be talking a little bit about just how you know these turbulent times have changed people's careers relationships and big life decisions so like what are some of the biggest things that you've that you've observed in your life and in people around you? Yeah, I mean I guess I'll start off by saying right when the crisis was uh kind of breaking out, I I usually live in New York City. I got a plane March 17th and flew back to to Seattle where I'm from and I've been here for the last uh 3 months or so now. Um and you know, I've I've had the great fortune to be able to have the job that I had before and continue to work remotely. Uh, my, my girlfriend lives in Australia, and so we p- had plans to travel, but obviously those are, are no longer on, on the table. But I think generally my my l- life path hasn't changed a whole lot. But I, what I found interesting is, is kind of talking with a lot of my, my colleagues and friends that th- whether they're, they were in a job kind of transition or their lease was up 
a lot of them are kind of moving cities, trying to find kind of a, a more stable job. And, you know, maybe they're, they were with a, a girlfriend and they decided to kind of move in with them and get more settled down, kind of just given the, the current environment. So I think in a lot of ways, it kind of took what you already you were doing and kind of uh, exacerbated it. I mean, what, what are you seeing kind of, John, and how it changed your life? I, I know a lot on the activism front, but I'm just curious. Yeah. Kind of. um, you know, it's it's really uh, changed my life in, in a few ways. Uh, the, I think the, the first thing that I'll start with is just kind of to piggyback off of, off of what you were saying is um, I, I think that I've interacted with people that um, I, I wouldn't normally interact with as much, especially those who live in different states, right? So I've, I feel like I initially, I filled a lot of the time that I wasn't, you know, surrounded by people um, in person with, you know, talking to you. I think we've talked more probably since, since the COVID outbreak started than any time previous. And for sure. And, uh, you know, so I think there's, there's been a lot of that. Um, I, I feel like this podcast is a, a byproduct yeah, this, of COVID. Exactly. Right? This podcast is, is a byproduct of that. Um, yeah, I mean, for me, um, the only other thing I'd say is it, it has really kind of changed my, my out, my outlook on the world a little bit. And, um, it's almost really just made me, I think it's made, given everyone more time for introspection, but the thing that I've been the most introspective about is really just how short life is um, and how um, you know crazy things are like at a macro level and really wanting to leave an impact that um, ripples into the future and so you know I, I've thought about that more um, so does the, does the shortness of life how does that make you want to you said have more of an impact because I know like for me I feel like I was work, 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 work so hard in New York and came out here and with everything going on, I mean, I've taken my time to learn and, and stay up to date on things and, but it's really been about kind of just tuning in with kind of, like you're saying, that introspection, but then also spending time with family, going on walks and kind of just refreshing myself where I think I got so caught up in kind of the rat race of, of New York in a lot of ways, personally. Definitely. And, and I really think that's just like uh uh, kind of a, a recognition like in your in your case of what's important and I think we're all kind of recognizing what's important in our lives and and for some people those things are different um, but for me like you know it's kind of a weird paradox almost because you know I, like I just said like life is short you kind of think like oh you know if you realize like life is so short um, you why don't you just like go enjoy it as much as possible but like in a weird way it's actually making me feel like wow like you know, my time to make an impact on this world is, is ticking and I'm only going to be here for so long. So I better, better get moving now. Um, but then, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's been interesting. I think, I think people are really like looking at their values. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I think that totally resonates. So how, so you and I are both in relationships, but to our single friends out there, how do you think relationships and dating like ha has been on like people who aren't in a relationship and the way that dynamic has unfolded over the last few months. So me and Aiden, Aiden already shared with you guys, but we're both in long distance relationships right now. <laughs> My girlfriend's in LA, so not as far. 
But I, I think that uh, for a lot of the single people out there, I can only imagine, like, you kind of got to figure out, like, I mean, it's a lot of time with yourself. Um, and I know, like, being in a long-distance relationship and not being around my family, like, I've spent a lot of time by myself. And so maybe, for me, that's kind of why I've had those opportunities for introspection. But, I mean, I don't, do you have any advice? Like, I'm, I'm kind of struggling for the single people out there. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm just kind of curious, like, if you have friends who are, like, how they have, are they weathering the storm? Are they trying to, like, connect with one-on-one date still and just, like, in COVID style? Like, how people are kind of dealing with it, you know? I mean, I've heard some people going on walks, you know, trying to stay distant. I heard some people who are less inclined to follow COVID metrics kind of earlier on or, or more, more recently, just kind of going for it and, and hooking up and not not having hooked up in the last like several months. And I just think it's just, I mean, if you're, if you're married, like the whole, the whole demographic of kind of staying in is different, but for, for young 20 somethings in the kind of the prime dating period and going into a summer, um, it's, it's just how people are dealing with it. I, I find is a very interesting kind of dynamic. Yeah. And I've, I've asked like, a lot of my friends, whenever I like see any of my buddies, I'm like, or who are single, I'm like, yeah, like, you know, I just, you know, inquire, you know, about what's going on, like, with, with their lives. And usually I'm going to afford about the, about the romantic life stuff. I probably make people uncomfortable, but, but whatever. But I'm always like, yo, like, so what are the, what are the good apps, you know, like, just, just to make sure, like, I'm staying in the game, just, just in case Anna decides she wants to leave me tomorrow. But, um, yeah, like I, I, I feel like a lot of people like initially were like, oh, you know, like I'm really, I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like there's a, there's actually like a surprising amount of hesitation for people to like use the dating apps to hook up, from 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 what I like have experienced and talked to people about. Like more hesitation now. Like more, like more hesitation, and I think maybe that was more the case in the early stages of the virus when people were. Um, really scared about exposing their families or um, but like my hypothesis is that like I think that people are just watching more porn (laughs) (laughs) I love it that's 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 a great that's maybe that maybe we should end there (laughs) Um, well yeah I mean do you have any closing thoughts about just you know, what the impacts of these times have been on kind of people's psyche and. Yeah. I mean, just bringing it full circle, I think like the introspection that's been going on, the time spent kind of alone within on house arrest has helped people decide what's important to them and their values. And you're seeing that happen through social movements and civil unrest. Um, and what the very values are of our country. And so I think that the introspection is on so many different levels of consciousness within kind of us as, as kind of young adults and then also as, uh, as America and where we see ourselves and kind of remembering where we came from, getting educated, you know, on when kind of how when slaves came over or who was slave owners and the, the policies have been put in place over the last hundreds of years that have caused, caused where we're at today. And, you know, that's helping us decide where we want to go from here. And I think all these things are coming together of a, a collective awakening and kind of a self-awakening. 
What do you think, John? Yeah, I, I think that's I think that's right. Um, and I just kind of want to cap it by by saying that I, in a weird way, I think that it's brought about more social cohesion. Um, and because I think that, uh, you know, le- like we were kind of talking about, people are reflecting on their values, they're deciding what's important, kind of, and then acting on that. So you know, people are spending more time with people that they really love. People are spending more time doing the things that they're passionate about. In my case. Um, and I think with these protests, people have really been risking a lot kind of to go out. And I think there's some some unity just in protesting naturally, but also under these cir- circumstances, like, you know, you're kind of you're kind of in this together and you're, you're sacrificing something for the cause. So in a weird way, like I think it's I think it's created more and more social cohesion. Um, but that just kind of shows like how hard things are to predict and the things that just seem like natural, like that we fragment more. Um maybe aren't aren't necessarily true yeah no i i think it's it's brought us together in ways when the first the virus was hitting that we could have never predicted you know just just when in march you know how much would happen with the kind of social movements within our country it's pretty it's pretty wild well all right ag um it's been great talking uh thanks for everybody Uh, uh all of our listeners we'll be back next week uh, for more open-minded discussions about uh, current events and um, things going on in society. So appreciate you guys and look forward to talking again soon. Lots of love, everyone. All right.